Welcome to the sermons and teachings from the Catalyst Fellowship with Ipai Michael. We hope the message you're about to listen to will edify you and cause you to experience exponential growth. And now, the message. Alright, so in the last teaching, we looked at what prayer is and important lessons from the way Jesus prayed. We looked through um, the Lord's Prayer and we took lessons from it. Right, we did a short explanation on it and we took lessons from it. And we learned that prayer is communication with God and that there is a right approach to prayer. There is a right approach to prayer. And so we learned in the last teaching, firstly, what are the three points I gave you at the end of the teaching? You know, three things you could pick out from that teaching. First of all, we said that, you know, when it comes to prayer, there is relationship and communion, right? Then we said consecration over just needs and we said prioritizing the will of god and the gospel do you remember that all right and we're able to put to practice this during the awake video no prayer point we went just spending time with god right and that was amazing all right and so today we're going to be looking at the why and you might call it the how or the word of prayer but i'm going to join it together and wherever we stop today, we're going to continue, you know, subsequently in the next teaching. And it's very important for you to get your heart ready to receive. So get your notes, get ready to take notes down, you know, be ready to receive and be ready to follow through all we're going to be doing today. Open your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 10. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 10. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. And verse 10, it says, Night and day praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Can you read it in your room wherever you are? You don't need to unmute your mic. Say it one to go. Night and day praying exceedingly that we might see your face and perfect that which is lacking in your faith. And this is important. This is the Apostle Paul. He says night and day, you know, he, he's praying that he will see them, the people he's teaching, the people he's discipling, so that he might perfect that which is lacking. And the word perfect there is the Greek word katartizo, K-A-T-A-R-T-I-Z-O, katartizo. Katartizo means to complete thoroughly. Or to repair. So he's saying, I'm praying exceedingly so I can see you. So I can fix, I can repair that which is lacking in your faith. Alright, so I said the Greek word for perfect there is katatizo. And it means to thoroughly, you know, to, to, to complete thoroughly or to repair. It can also mean to equip. So Paul is praying. He says, I want to see you so I can equip you. So I can furnish you. So you who did not know before, you can learn. And you who used to know, you can be reminded. And be equipped. This is important. His prayer is that he would see their face. So he can equip them. That is the job of a ministry gift. As we see in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11, which we've read time and again, it says, And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting 
You see, that word perfect is used again. It says, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. Perfecting here as well is the Greek word now, katatismos, and not katatizo, spelled K-A-T-A-R-T-I-S-M-O-S, which is the noun form of the verb katatizo. So in the first text that we read, it says, Night and day praying exceedingly that we might see your faith and might perfect, an action word, perfect. That's katatizo. And then now he's saying, ministry gifts are given for the perfecting. Katatismos, the noun form. And like I said last week, when a person gets saved, there's a subtle assumption that we have. And that subtle assumption that we have is that they don't need any more. We just need to get them saved and leave them alone. Things will be fine. They will figure it out. But that's not true. Because the precedence we see in scriptures when people get saved is that they are taught or they are what? Indoctrinated. Say they are taught or they are indoctrinated. So my job today is to perfect that which is lacking in your faith. To teach those who don't know and to remind and equip those who already know but have not been putting it to practice. To bring balance to your work with God. To bring balance to your work with God. You see, when it comes to the Christian faith, we need balance. One side is not to be emphasized over the other. You are a man of study, but are you a man of prayer? You see, we, we, we've accepted this subtle idea that uh, my own church, we don't do too much. We are a prayer church. And then this one says, my own church, we are a word church. That's a problem. Because there is no place in scripture where it is said for you to pick one over the other. You must be a praying church. You must be a word church, a Bible studying church. You must be a charismatic church. You must be an evangelical church. So if you call your church Christopher Lawrence Evangelical Ministry, what of prayer? Are you getting this? There has to be a balance. The early church was balanced in everything, but in evangelism, in prayer, in charismatic ministry, in the study of God's word. And so the job of a ministry gift is to bring what? To bring balance. Say to bring balance. Bring balance. Say it again, to bring balance. To bring balance. All right. And so the next most important thing after I believe our salvation, and I've taught you this time and again, is what? Is revelation knowledge. Say revelation knowledge. Revelation knowledge. The knowledge of who you are and all you have in Christ. Revelation knowledge. It's not just enough that you are saved, but you have to grow. You have to grow in knowledge. Spiritual growth is very important for the believer. As we see the Apostle Paul saying in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 25, 
talking, you know, to, to the church at Philippi, saying that him being with them will cause them to grow. Knowledge in the faith has growth as its result. Every believer has to grow. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 25 says, And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you for your progress. Greek word prokope. It means for your advancement, for your forgerance and joy in the faith. And joy in the faith. We see Peter in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. We see him say, he says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. He says, to him be glory both now and forever. Amen. When you see that text, it says, grow in grace and the knowledge. You're thinking, okay, which one am I to grow in grace or the knowledge? And you know that there isn't per se a way to grow in grace. You have, you know, there is grace, you know, and that's the grace of God. And there is no growth in grace per se. What then does it mean when it says growing grace and the knowledge? And if you were in camp meeting, you remember that I taught you the Grandview Sharps rule, that is the TSKS rule, where when the Greek word, you know, and is used, it is used most times as an explanation and not, you know, joining the words together. And I don't have time to explain that together. When the sermons are uploaded on the on the podcast, go listen to it. I thought the Granville Sharps, the Granville Sharps rule there, you know. And so using that rule, you will understand that when he says grow in grace and in the knowledge, because the, the, the subjective, the definite article D is used after the second now, it means grow in grace, which is the knowledge. Are you getting it? Do you all remember or is everybody lost at what I'm saying? Alright, the same way he said, except a man be born of water and of the spirit. He was not saying that you have to be born of water and spirit. He was saying, except a man be born of water, which is the spirit, right? The same way when he says, grow in grace and deed. Deeds used there, the knowledge. Meaning, meaning that you should grow in grace, which is the knowledge. So God expects us to grow. That's my point from this text. God expects us to what? To grow. To grow. So we're expected to grow. Spiritual growth is what the man in Christ has to experience always. Spiritual growth is what the man in Christ has to experience always. And prayer is an important part of that growth. In 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 13 to 15, Scripture says, Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. It says, Neglect not the gift that is in you, which was given thee by, the, by prophecy, which with the laying on of hands of the presbyteries. In the next verse, it says, Meditate upon these things, give them holy, give thyself holy to them. And the last part says what? It says, That thy profiting may appear to all. So, he's saying that when you give yourself wholly to the teachings, your profiting will be visible. It means that there are certain things that when we see about you, we'll be able to discern that you are growing. There are certain things that when we see in you also, we will know you are not growing. There are certain things that when they are missing in you, we can tell how much you are growing 
or how much you are not growing. Are you following me? And prayer is one of such things. Prayer is one of such things. Prayer is so important. It's an important part of your spiritual growth as a believer. From how you pray, I can know if you're growing or not. Are you following me? From how long you pray, we can know if you're growing or not. From the things you pray about, we can know if you are growing or not. We can discern your growth level. If I call you out now and I give you the mic and I say, charge us up for three minutes, from that experience, I can tell if you are growing or you are not growing. Are you following me? Because prayer is an important part of a believer's growth. Of a believer's growth. If we give you a platform now, we can tell. And so what I'm just going to do in today's teaching is I'm going to give you a few points on why we pray. And then after that, we talk about a little bit on what to pray or how to pray. Then we see where we go from there. Usually, I would have taken why later, but I just want to talk about the why first. Just because there are some things I want to emphasize. So why do we pray? Why do we pray? The late Miles Monroe has a saying that when purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. Where purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. When you don't know why you pray, it's very easy to abuse prayer. It's very easy for you to either under... You know, abuse is not only about misusing it. When it comes to drug abuse, underusing your prescription or overusing your prescription can be abused as well. And in prayer, there is no overprayer, which makes it almost not a good analogy. But when you underpray or you don't pray rightly, it can be abused. Are you listening to me? So where purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. So why pray? When a person gets saved, we expect you to pray and come pray three hours. But you might not be convinced if you don't know why. So why do we pray? Number one, because your life depends on it. And maybe you were not expecting that. But because your life depends on it. And someone is like, how does my life depend on it? The quality of your spiritual life is highly dependent on prayer. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17 says, Pray without ceasing. Wow. And ceasing there is C-E-A-S-I-N-G. Ceasing. So, pray non-stop. And a lot of people might have interpreted this as pray without ceasing, S-E-A-S-O-N. But when it comes to prayer, both applies. Pray without ceasing and pray without ceasing. That is, pray when you feel like it's a season of prayer and it's not a season of prayer because there are no seasons to prayer. And pray non-stop as well. Are you getting this? Pray non-stop. Pray non-stop. You have to pray without saying, this is the only time where I pray. 
Or like the popular saying, let's be in the mood of prayer. What is a mood of prayer? It says pray without ceasing. Always. Always. Just hold your tables together today. I'm not, that's not what I'm here for. Just hold the tables together. I see a lot of people laughing already and talking. Just hold your tables together. You super glue in the middle. Alright? So pray non-stop. Pray what? Non-stop. I'll give you a pictorial example of what this means. What else do you do non-stop as a human being? And those of you that have heard me teach know that the analogy I want to use has a lot to do with breathing. So breathing is an example of one thing as a human being that you do without ceasing. And when you stop to breathe, you die. Are you with me? And that's why you have to breathe non-stop. Because when you stop breathing, you die. And the same thing goes for prayer. It's your life support. If you stop praying, you open the doors to contradiction. Are you listening to me? So pray without ceasing. The Greek word here, joins without ceasing together, is the word Adial, sorry, I take that again. Adialeptos. A-D-I-A-L-E-I-P-T-O-S. Adialeptos. A-D-I-A-L-E-I-P-T-O-S. And it means uninterruptedly. That is without omission. Wow. So the Bible expects me to pray without omission or more. Without intermission, pray incessantly. Unintermitted, that means permanent. That's a better rendition. Permanent. Wow. So pray always. Pray constantly. Pray without ceasing. <laughs> wow. He says, pray always because your life depends on it. Prayer affects you so deeply that you don't even know. Your spiritual growth, your spiritual life depends on it. If you pray, you grow. Ah, wow. If I pray, I grow. A man who does not pray would live a life of contradiction. Prayer keeps you from temptation. Wow. So this is my life support. I have to pray. I have to pray. Are you following me? The first thing you see in the Lord's Prayer is that Christ says, when you pray, pray like this. He did not say, if you pray. Are you getting this? He says, when you pray. He did not say, should you decide to pray? Or if you find time to pray. He says, when you pray. That is, prayer is of such necessity for a disciple, for a believer. You must pray. 
It's a constant. You must spend time with God. Are you listening to me? If you look at the believer's life, you have to see it marked with prayer. You have to decide to be consistent in prayer. The Bible instructs us to pray always and not to faint. Are you following what I'm saying? So as believers, as followers of Christ, we need to, we need to prioritize prayer. We need to put it at the forefront. Because if you know something is, is your life support, you are not going to put it as the last thing you prioritize. You put it as the best thing. Are you with me? This is important. Jesus says when you pray, because prayer should be ever present and an ongoing part of your daily life as a believer. Romans chapter 12 and verse 12. Thank you, Lord. Romans chapter 12 and verse 12. It says, Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. KJV says, Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing what? Instant. You see the word continuing there. Instant in prayer. The Bible admonishes us to be what? Faithful in prayer. This is important. Prayer should be ever present in your day-to-day life. Number two. Communion. Communion. And I subtly and partly touched on this in the first point. But you were created for fellowship with God. Sin brought a temporary separation, but now we have access through Christ. Prayer keeps you connected with God. Are you following me? Yes, you have the Spirit. But through prayer, you can bring yourself under the influence of the Spirit. Your Spirit communicates with God when you pray. Are you getting this? Your Spirit communicates with God when you pray. When we pray, we align ourselves with God's heart. We discover His will. So that that simply means that a man of prayer is a man that will constantly be in the will of God. Are you following me? We align ourselves with God's heart when we pray. When you pray, you put your ears on God's heartbeat. You know what he's saying. You know when he's saying to do it. You know the pace. You know the time. You know the times. You know the season. When you pray, I gave a quote from one of Ian Bounds' book on prayer at our Friday vigil, where he said, 
We would not have anyone think that the value of prayer is to be measured by the clock. He says, but our purpose is to impress on our minds the necessity of being much alone with God. So in prayer, we spend much time alone with God. It's communion. Are you following me? Our spirit is in deep communion with God. That's what prayer does. That's why you should pray. Our spirit is in deep communion with God when we pray. So it means when you don't pray, you can be out of sync with God. Do you understand that? When you don't pray, you can be out of sync with God. Have you noticed that when you begin to respond strangely to things, when you begin to panic a lot, there is a 99% chance that it's because you've not prayed. How many of you experienced that? Once you begin to complain and things just get rough, there's a 99% chance that it's because you've not prayed. Prayer aligns you with God. When we spend much time with God, our spirit is in deep communion with God. Number three. Strengthened. Number three. Prayer shows humility to God. And maybe you don't hear this enough when you hear sermons on prayer. But prayer shows what? Humility. When we pray, we remember God as our source. Are you getting it? A man that can still go on his knees and pray is a man God can use. Are you getting this? A man that can still go on his knees and pray is a man that God can still use. And this is why no matter how far a person is in error, as far as he can still spend good amount of times in prayer, it means God can still persuade him. No matter how far a person is in error, as far as he can still spend a good amount of time praying, it means God can still persuade him. And that's why you have to see that a man of prayer is a man that God can correct. That's why I said prayer shows humility to God. A man of prayer is a man that is focused on God's will. So the moment he can discover that his way of, of life, his teaching, is outside God's standard and structure, God can correct a man of prayer. This does not mean you should embark in funny arguments like prayer is greater than the word. Mm -mm. It just means that no matter how far a person is in error, even in the word of God, as long as he can still pray, God can correct him. Are you getting this? A man of prayer is a man that the Holy Ghost can teach. And when I say the Holy Ghost can teach, you understand that I mean he can bring him to remembrance of all the teachings of Christ and correct him. Because one of the ministries of the Holy Ghost, like you remember, is sanctification, right? Regulation.